the Strictly Conversational podcast, where we have very strict and serious conversations only. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Hunt, and with me is my wonderful co-host, uh, a tube of crystal light. How are you, tube of crystal light? Listen, Bailey, <laughs> I didn't realize that you started the episode, and <laughs> I I was just prepping this water bottle that now I need to shake and everybody gets to listen to because I really need some fruit punch right now. Yeah. I am parched. Yeah. <laughs> no. I had six breadsticks tonight. So you went to you went to Olive Garden, right? You told me. What you tell the listener? Yeah, I went to Olive Garden. Yeah. Um, when you're here. When you're here, you're family. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to feel like family. I don't <laughs> I don't care much for their food, but no, I did. I do. You like the Noki though? They're, oh man, the unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks for ten dollars. That's the six breadsticks. Actually, I envisioned you just like scoping other people's tables out and just like sneaking the breadstick from like the table. Here's the thing. I don't, you. I don't have to do that because they're free. You're like the like, yogurt bandit. In, <laughs> in my mind, that's no. something I would do. It's oh, just the breadstick sure. bandit. Like I don't even need to do that. They give you those for free. Is breadstick bandit a good band name? Let us know in the comments below. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> comment section down below. Sorry, I still have to shake. There's a clump. Yeah. Noah is approximately six years old and can't get hydrated without it non tasting like water. So well, fruit punch is better, and that's just fact. And that's on James Charles. It sure is. Clearly, <laughs> sure really, what are we talking about today? So today, um, I think we've referenced this episode like <laughs> Oh my god. Are you alright? We've referenced what? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that's some strong fruit punch. <laughs> I just got fruit punched. You just got fruit crunched. Oh my goodness. Anyway, we've been referencing this episode a lot. We're going to be talking about <laughs> creative endeavors um, and successful ones and failed ones and specifically what we've learned um, from failure, specifically as it relates to creative endeavors. May that be, you know, different kinds of writing or you know, Noah's a songwriter. We haven't referenced his music a lot recently, but... Shoot, we forgot all about that. Dude, we had like six episodes where we haven't even talked about your music. <sighs> that sucks. I know. You Noah does music. And, you need to go back and redo those ones? Yeah, I'm busy all those days. All right. Well, but we're talking about that because I think we have a lot to talk about. But, you know, I think in in the past couple of weeks, we've gone a little long. I think to rectify that, we're going to like be a little bit more concise this episode. Um, and I think this is a good topic to like be straight to the point but also talk about something that's really, really important to us Yeah. Um, in this, because we've both grown a lot from failure and we both, I want to say this, but we both failed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody fails. Everybody fails. Thank you. Know you that song that. by R.E.M.? Everybody fails. Yeah. Everybody fails. I yeah. thought you were talking about Everybody Bleeds from Big Mouth. Everybody bleeds. Anyways. Time to time. No, this is something I'm excited to talk about because there are things that you don't know about me, Bailey Hunt. What do you... See, see, this dude's been saying that to me recently. He's like, when we record this episode, you're gonna, you're gonna be shocked. And I thought here I was thinking that I didn't know that I knew mostly everything about this guy. In fact, we're, we're roommates, right? And we were going to bed one night, and he's like, Bailey, do you think you know everything about me? And I'm like, I don't think so quite yet, but I think I know most things. And we're like, ah ha ha, we're such good friends. And we wore like matching pajamas. Yeah, they were flannel. Um, and we, we shared the same teddy bear. We did. We shared the same teddy bear. And that's how. Rest in peace for Man with Her Dam. Oh, my heart. Noah had. That's a... not how we go to bed, silly. <laughs> that's not how we go to bed, silly. You stinker. You stinker. <laughs> and that's how we joke around with each other because we love each other so much. I'm really interested in, in finding out this thing. <clears throat> Apparently, I don't know about you. Yeah, it's Noah something David that I've. George. It's something that I have buried deep down oh great because it's something that never it just never produced anything the best things to be revealed in in, in a public forum mm. should be really shoved deep down so i hope we have a cathartic moment that's here. the thing it's been it's been it's been rector it's ben rector i'm that's the secret i'm ben rector hey all you all you all you macon girlies jamming to brand new it's here he this is. guy here i am the man who okay the Men Who Drive Me Places is the best Ben Rector song. All right. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead, Ben. So, so we're talking about like, you know, failed creative things. I'm a musician. Bailey's an actor. Okay. <laughs> and there are things 
that I mean, those aren't the only things about us. No, those are know? like mere facets of our personality. Right. And so obviously I think there's going to be things that are like, man, I really wish I'd followed through with this. You know, I wish I always wish I'd taken this chance. I think like some of the smaller things are I wish that I had also done theater. Um, I always wanted to. And then when I was in high school and I was a freshman in high school, I went to like the the first theater meeting uh, because our school was doing Into the Woods and I was so interested and we watched it. It was like an open meeting and we watched the recorded Broadway version because the movie hadn't come out yet. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just want to be one of the princes so bad. Yeah. And you could play a mean Jack too. And well, that, that was the thing was I was like, I was, I could so do this. And I, I chickened out and I, you know, never went through with it. That's probably one of my, one of my biggest regrets. I want to later, I want to go like through a, like, if you could go back and redo this, right? you know? Um, but here's my first thing. Is this the thing that I don't know about you? Yes. So before I was, before I was strumming a guitar and crooning tunes in the pale moonlight (laughs) as my crooning tunes in the pale moon, (laughs) as my sad self does from time to time. Um, I wanted to be a DJ. What? And like, like a wedding DJ or like, like, like a DJ and like an electronic producer. Well, I guess that makes sense. You've always like well, I've loved electronic music for a long time. I still do. It's not my right. ma- it's not my main like go to. Shout, shout out Monster Cat. Shout you, out Monster Cat. Monster Cat is an incredible label that has given so many artists um, a platform to not only just like uh, show what they're capable of, but giving them like room to grow yeah. and. Um, it's really cool. It's really cool. Um, if you're a fan of electronic music, check out Monster Cat. I highly recommend. Uh, they have all of their like album stuff, especially from earlier, is numbered. Um, and I would highly recommend. Um, I would say album number five through twenty are all good ones. Check them out. I I've listened to like a few puppet songs. Like yeah, Killing Giants. Oh by gosh, puppet. It's great really, really song. Good. Um, yeah, Puppet is my favorite artist. Um, saw him in concert, met him, talked to him. He gave me a he gave me one of his hoodies for free, and he signed it because I told him a story about how I met his brother at a pizza restaurant. Great story. I guess I didn't realize I didn't put two and two together that you. I mean, I knew that you liked electronic music and EDM and all that, but I didn't realize that you were like putting on like a big inflatable head wanted to mix things right in front of i lollapalooza or wherever. here's the thing go was, to the snake pit and just <laughs> i and here's the thing that maybe is a shocker okay that wasn't the shocking part i bought i dropped 150 dollars on a set of turntables that you could plug into your phone dude what what <laughs> you've been holding out to me like this do you still have these maybe uh maybe somewhere why aren't they in here because they're so it's so hard to use and so like the capability okay. of this thing no listen oh listen. my gosh why haven't you told me this up at this point i don't know we, I don't could, know. we could be a duo wicka, wicka. oh wicka wicka wick wicka here's the thing we could be wicked it's so <laughs> why do you keep bringing up wicka dude has brought up wicka at <laughs> least three times <laughs> Since we talked at about at least the, three times, I was I was thinking at least three times. Okay, let's bring my, it down. My wallet is still in my pocket. Man, we're a mess. I kind of like it. Though. God bless this mess. Am I right? <laughs> um. So I had these turntables. Their capability was you download an app on your phone or your iPod or your tablet. Okay. And you would pick songs from your library, um, and you could use. You could use the actual turntables um, to, like, I don't know, to to DJ the songs. Um, I thought, what? I don't know what that means. Well, this is the thing: is so so turntables. There, you got two, like two things. LPs, yeah. Right, and what they would do is you would play both of, or like when you're playing one of them, you have the other one ready. Okay. Okay, and once the first one is ending you start mixing one. in the second one, right? Okay. And a good DJ, if anybody has ever been to a high school dance or anything, or a wedding or whatever, with a DJ... I don't know if I've ever had like a good DJ. At really? Time, no, I don't know if I ever have. Man, our high school was rich. 
Well, yeah. We had crazy dances. Um, our DJs were fine. But like that's what, so that's what they do is they will use this. And, and now, obviously, it's all software. But you right. mix the second song into the ending of the first so that it all flows seamlessly. So it's like all one continuous like, yes. stream of music. And this well, one... That's pretty cool, actually. It is cool. And what, what this one did is you could mix the two songs together sync them up it would it would like analyze like the bpm the songs and like match one of them to the other one and you could like play them at the same time as, as like intermixed and like mix how much you would like you know hear like 50 percent this song 50 this song or like 75 25 yeah and like mix them together and stuff you could do all these like different effects like bit crusher you know like high and low stuff bit crusher bit crusher are you familiar no, I don't even know what Bitcoin is. Okay, we won't even answer <laughs> it. I don't know what Bitcoin is. So, okay, question. Yeah, yeah. Are, do you know who Neil C. C. Rega is? Yes. So he was like a YouTube personality. Yeah. And, like does like a bunch of like mashups, like popular mashups. Mm-hmm. And, like his albums are like pretty lauded because they're insane, but also really really cool. So yeah. like, is he just like a really really good DJ? Is essentially is what that is. Or... Yeah. I mean, in a sense, yeah. In in a sense. Innocence. Innocence, yes. Innocence, <laughs> Um, But, like, that's kind of probably, like, the biggest part of it is, like, what can you do to a song transitioning out of another song to keep it, like, interested? Yeah. Or keep people interested, keep the song interesting? And if they don't necessarily connect to the other, like, what would connect them? Yeah, exactly. That sounds so cool. Right. And so you could do like, you could do like the, you know, record scratches and have it immediately transition to something else. And the the board itself was really difficult to use. And in the app, you could also just do it on your phone. And so I dropped $150 on this, on this like board thing. Did you have to pay for the app? No, no. What? It just gives you like the access to the I bet they weren't successful at all because of that. Oh no. And now because it's all software based. Yes. And, um, I I mean, regret to say, um, I'm not a DJ. I sucked at it. Okay. Well. But I do remember I had a sick mashup of um what was it? Flux Pavilions I Can't Stop. I can't stop. And uh Skrillex's Scary Monsters and Ice Sprites. Dude, those are throwback tunes. Big throwback tunes. I liked Flux Pavilion quite a bit yeah. back in the day. And Wow, glitch mob. There we go. Okay, I was I was gonna tell you somebody in that group like passed away recently, but you wouldn't know them. Oh, glitch mob? No. Like flux what? pavilions, like oh, in in his circle. And he's like entourage. Yes, That's which is bummer. funny because their label is called Circle. But um, I think it's dude circle. knows literally everything about EDM. Uh, you know, you know. I mean, here's the thing: is I I started I started with Daft Punk. I started listening to Dead Mouse. Start, then I started listening to Skrillex, and um, it just kind of grew and grew. And so I guess one of those like failed endeavors is I've always wanted to be an EDM artist, and I've always just been like too afraid to be like, yeah, I can't really put my I can't really like put myself out there because my first thing, whatever I, whatever it is, is never going to sound as good as I want it to because I'm just not smart enough I mean, to I think do this. You could say that about everything though. I, I would agree. And I mean, is any of your music, honestly, is any of your music in a place where you're like, I am 110% satisfied with this in the state that it is? Like, it, it can't be altered in any way. I would say only only a few songs are like, this is exactly how I wanted it to be. Sure. Um, and I wouldn't change a thing about it. I know that it's not. The thing is, like, I know you, I know that I could do it differently yeah but i wouldn't consider it to be better for me i guess like other people might say oh you're you should you know you could master this better you could whatever right but for me it's like that's exactly how i want it to sound and i like i don't go back and listen to it and be like man i really should have changed that you sure. know yeah, i yeah. do have that feeling with some especially with like the first album that i released is like well i don't know i don't know crap about like doing this kind of stuff and it was the best that i could do that's fine right but now i know so much more right 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 um interesting i guess like what did you learn about being a failed edm producer (laughs) well uh i learned that it's not it's not all it's cracked up to be now i can't even say that because you don't even know i don't even know know? like no and that's the thing is like i think that 
I like to say that it was a phase, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it was. I don't think that's an excuse for, you know, why I stopped being interested. But, like, it was. It was a phase. And, you know, I'm making real music that I want to right now. I guess this is, like, a second thing where it's, like, kind of failed or, you know, regret type things is there are ideas that I've had for like for music stuff, like stuff that I want to release that I could do. And it's just like, I don't, I don't always get the sense that um, people that listen to it would understand what I'm trying to do or that it's too out there or whatever. Uh, And so I just don't do it. You know, I'm just hold myself back and say like, okay, well this box is really comfortable. So yeah, I'm going to stay here. Because there's no, there, there's no growing that happens in the box. That's why, yeah. That's why growth is always really uncomfortable, and there's like growing pains because like, it forces us into places that we aren't terribly comfortable with. Um, so maybe that's a side effect of of that failure. But I think like because you weren't successful as an EDM producer, <laughs> um, it forced you to like look it up in a different route, and you mm-hmm. went from sing- a singer songwriter, which you still are, to like like a lo-fi producer or right. you know artist with with your brother silas and then also you know now into stranger james so like there's an evolution because of this it wasn't yeah. like the end of the journey it was the beginning of one trying to figure out what worked best for you i mean would you agree with I, those, those I, actions for sure because it was like you were like i like sad music so i'll just fool around with this for a while and you're still making music like that but like it became like a transition of singer songwriter to like lo-fi into like a mixture of the two right and all of those things kind of culminated in what you're doing now i think that that's that's probably fair is like blending what i was able to write um with you know the i mean let's let's not joke around lo-fi is easy to make right it's so repro it's so reproducible it's right but even in that journey so accessible but but if you watch where blood moon came like not even t- I'm not going to tell you how your own music produced, but like, no, you're right. If you watch from your like first release with Silas, let's say, let's go back to, I have a sad face, which I think was your first the first like, album. Major release. It was the first the first thing in general was a nine song album. But then you go from that to Undone and Lovesick, which are like much better. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like they're they're good, and mm-hmm. I think that's what ultimately became what stranger james is now that's the thing is we started writing should i have listeners um, in warsaw poland i did know that thanks editor shout oh, out shout out to editor should i edit her one time yeah heck yeah man um i didn't realize she was polish yeah she's from poland probably probably <laughs> <laughs> man oh man can't wait to see her again um hope she listens to the pod Odds are very slim. We speak in English, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! My one regret: I never learned to speak Polish so that we could do this podcast for Edita. <laughs> that that the edita regret. Edit. <laughs> the Edita. <laughs> wow, dude's coming up with spinoff ideas over here. Yeah, I'm just saying. Um, but I think you're right. At least wrapping up on that side of things is like, Stranger James now is like. You know, I got Silas into electronic music and Stranger James is taking influence from, you know, things that I listened to as an eighth grader, just on the bus ride to school. Gazing out your window. Just jamming out to, you know, these hardcore dub not hardcore dubstep songs. Not like not like those crazy like, you know, excision. Oh my gosh. I know this I know these two girls that like they're like roadies for excision. They, they just go to every single concert that they did. And, like, Excision is crazy dubstep. But, like, yeah. um, when I started listening more to, like, Melodic House and EDM and, Chill like, Step and Chill Step, whatever. Uh, you know, n- like, Indie Funk yeah. and New Funk, New Disco, like, that stuff has brought its way into Stranger James because I'll find artists that go from, like, so one of the Monster Cat artists, Televisor, sounds a lot like if Dayglow would like pump up his stuff into a more EDM style. Interesting. And like, and it's so jammy. But that's the thing is these like these like spider webs turn into something where it's like now you know Stranger James is you know taking electronic influences um, from something that we're all already capable of doing, and that's just playing instruments in you know this fun way, and also 
you know, the lyric writing, it's, I feel like, you know, the songs we've written for Stranger James, Peppermint included, and yeah. you know, the other stuff that we're working on is still lyrically what I'm, you know, what I'm, what I know myself for. I'm not sure. going to say what I'm known for because who knows this guy. The the identity in which you forge for yourself as a song. Exactly. Um, we've talked about this in a more practical sense, like what what your failure in terms of like being a failed DJ, <laughs> like like where that brought you practically, but like in terms of like an emotional and more you know um, intellectual sense, a mental sense. Mm-hmm. How have you changed? because of that failure well what did that make you realize inside of yourself it's i guess it's you know frustrating to lay down and accept that kind of thing right and i will especially if you were like passionate about it here's the thing i will say there's a song that i discovered not too long ago uh it's really 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 great uh i would say it's a really great like edm house song uh it's called take my hand by uh i think it's manu liu it's spelled really interestingly hmm. um called please take my hand no not that one what do you mean how do you spell it uh take my hand that's how you spell it take that's a z Bailey. <laughs> I can't even dude can't even type it's so lonely take my hand by manu by sean mcdonald that's not by sean mcdonald <laughs> there it is manu lee Manly, um, really, really awesome song. But I, I discovered this song not too long ago, and immediately I was like, I want to make something like this right now. Yeah, it it like revived it, it resurrected it. Um, so it's not like those feelings are dead. They're no, just like, and that's the thing is, I never in dormant. <laughs> yeah, they are. I never wanted to. I never wanted to give up on that thing. I just, you know, couldn't bring myself to go through with it because it just seemed so terrible and so you know scary and so i i have like saved on my computer at least like the bare bones of what i might want a song like that to sound like yeah um but i know that on my own i'm just when have you been working on that it's nothing right now what is this guy even doing i'll show you when we're done oh my gosh well you'll learn all about it that's probably i'm gonna say that that's the biggest shock of like oh what i wish i you know could have done back then sure but like Again, I would say what, like, as a human being, did yeah. that change within you? Um, Not a thing, Bailey Hunt. That's not even true. Not a thing. The best teacher failure is. The best teacher failure is. Yeah. It's true. Did you fail? I mean, do you feel like you failed? Failed? Well, failed? I... Did you feel like you were flailed? <laughs> <laughs> Man, that hurt so bad. That time I was flailed? Oh, gosh! got a flail in my back. Um... I, it's a hard question because then you've got like the, the one answer to say like, you know, yes, I learned something from it is to admit failure is to admit defeat. Sure. And you don't want to do that. That's also fine. That's the problem is like, realistically, am I ever going to, am I ever going to get back to that? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, does anybody ever really fail? I mean, that's the main question. I think yes. I can, you think they do. Buddy, I got kicked out of school twice. Okay, we're not talking about that, though. Oh. Okay, well, in that sense, we're, ditch the creative endeavors bit. What did that teach you? You're right. No, you're absolutely you know right. I mean? Yeah. and Because I think this this whole thing is a, is like a microcosm as opposed oh, yeah. to like what it actually feels like to fail in a larger in a larger way. You know, you learn, you adapt, you move on. Right. Or you get defeated by it. Do you feel like you were defeated by your own failure? I'm still here, so no. Right, exactly. That's the thing. Is it's, and That's it's the scary. Point. You it's, came back. It's scary to think, you know, not what if I fail, but like, have I failed? There's a difference yeah. there. What if I fail is, you know, you're still looking at the different outcomes in a way that there's there's a pathway for you to choose, and one is easy and one is hard. Yeah. And if you have to look back on something that is over, and decide whether or not you failed, then, you know, what are you going to do about it? There's nothing worse than the feeling of not being able to change something. Of being like, well, this happened, and I literally can't do anything to impact how it goes from here. Right. I think it's different in your case, though, because, like, you had that for a moment and then said, but there's things I can do. Yeah. You know, I can still do better. I can still do more. Mm -hmm. That's the same with your music, you know? Right. There's still more you can do despite 
you know this this lack of success right. in one area. I I think that a good maybe a good example of that is the first song that I released on on Spotify Circles um, was one that for a long time I was like you know, this couldn't possibly be any better than it is. And I love the way that it turned out. Right. And as I, you know, release more and more music and, you know, now I have almost 20 songs on Spotify. Um, I ended up re-releasing circles in a way that was updated to what I really wanted it to sound like. For sure. Um, so, I mean, no one's ever really gone. That's true. That's very true. It, it's, I mean, and even in the sense of, you know, you might have, let's take, right, I never did theater in high school, yeah. and I'll never be a part of that, and that's over, and... Yeah, I think that's the one area that I, that if I could change something for you, which I can't, right. would be that. Because I, I, I noticed, like, I noticed your intuition, mm-hmm. which, you, which can't be taught, I noticed your instincts that can't be taught, and there are people that are doing theater that are working in the field that would kill for that kind of intuition. They name names. For it. Name I'm names. not going to do that. I'm not going to name people on this podcast. Like no, you're so, that was a sack lunch bunch bit. You're supposed oh, to... name <laughs> sister. I could for hours. <laughs> right. But like the idea that like, you know, you may never get to do that because of choices that you've made and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But you're still, you're still contributing to like what the arts is, especially in this community. Now, then the question becomes, if that's something that I can never go back and change in terms of, man, I wish I did theater in high school or college. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, a tangible change and saying, I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I failed that. What, yeah. Like, well, I mean, low, what is there still left to do? You go into a situation with low stakes because I think the, the main thing is that people are scared to fail, especially if they've done it before. Yeah. And they feel like there's no going back from failure. Um, you go into a situation where there are literally there's nothing to lose. I mean, there's community theaters all across this country, it's true. and a lot of them are the same in terms of like people are there for fun. They're coming out, they're coming to like these theaters for rehearsal after their day jobs, and they're doing it as essentially a club because they love the thing, but they couldn't. I mean, they they couldn't. I'm not saying they couldn't hack it. Right. I'm saying like there was there was more to their lives than just theater. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we're going to choose the, that life because it's a very specific life. Um, I'm not choosing that life completely because I want to be an educator, yeah. you know? Um, and so I think that's the way that you succeed is like filling into those communities because they need people like you, you know, they need talented people and they need people that are willing and able. Um, they need people to play the prince into the woods um, because, you know, you, yeah. know, you get what I'm saying? You're right. Um, so I think that's the way that you can succeed. Or learn. I I guess, like, for me personally, this is, like, a much shorter tangent, I think. Like, I have written, like, a few plays. um, And the first play that I ever wrote in its totality, um, well, I I would say the second one that I was actually confident about and was written for a class, a script writing class, was um, a play for this thing called the 24-Hour Theater Festival. Um, And essentially, I, I was feeling a whole lot of things at the time. And I wanted to capture literally all of the feelings that I had during this really complicated and difficult time into one piece. And I could never do that. Um, And when I was, when I watched it being staged the next day, I I knew that I couldn't do that because there was too much. Like it was too monumentous and it was too like. Well, I think there were other. Well, there were other pieces of that. I had actors. I couldn't memorize their lines too. That was, that was part of it. Noah was actually in the show. Um, and I was all right. He was great. He was great. And he, he had his lines down and the, and my other good friend uh, Ainsley had her lines down and they were not contributing to the failure of this, but it, it felt like it was reflective of me because I had put too much on these actors. And so like, taking that piece, I was able to like edit it through the semester. And it was the final play that I submitted for my final project for that class. And then like seeing it become what I actually wanted it to be like Mm -hmm. a more concise image was really rewarding. And it took, it took that feeling. Do you remember how I felt after that night, man? Like it was crushing was, and it was rough. Can we tell the story? Absolutely. We can tell the story. The play is, uh, a, about well baby yeah, I'll tell if you, you talk about it um it's about this couple that are moving into this, into this new apartment and basically like <sighs> it's 
it's I'm, I'm going back to the first version. So the first version was about um, two people. Um, they're again a couple, and they were moving to this new apartment, and uh, there's some mental health issues playing into their relationship. And um, basically, when they start fighting, these metaphysical versions of themselves uh, come out and like coax them into more of an argument. Um, and it's because these metaphysical things characterized were like telling them lies about themselves, like a mental illness does to your and brain. Li- and lies about the other person. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, you, uh, they don't actually care like, about you. Yeah, feeding assumptions. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're not really worth anything, like so on and so forth. Like, um, and so it like fueled this argument. Um, and eventually it comes into like a happy end. It's like a, like a 12 minute scene and it's in its first version. Um, yeah. And so that was like the first edit of it. And that's the version that Noah acted in. And I'll, I'll say, for our theater festival, I enjoyed the first version reading through. I mean, I know that you had written, I know that you had written it for me to play. Yeah. And I, I loved it. Right. Um, I, I mean, I, I wrote it. I knew that like when I entered into that class that I was going to write something for Noah. Um, I, I knew that going into it. And so it was, I mean, that had never changed. I mean, the people that were also going to be a part of it had changed. Um, but Noah being in it was was consistent throughout the entire process. So I think, um, you know, myself playing um, the male counterpart in the relationship yeah. um, and Ainsley playing the female counterpart in the relationship, you know, really, really solid together. Yeah. Um, and the so it came to a head when the um, what would you call them? It's like like the metaphysical incarnations of august and eliza's like most fragmented and and and, um i would say like i don't even know yeah okay so the the, fragmented parts of their psyche i guess right so the metaphysical the metaphysical ainsley yeah right Mm -hmm. um this is i think that this is what probably broke it apart and you know made it seem like it made it seem like it was uh too much to bear i i think also part of it, I'll, I'll just say this. I did not agree with the director's choices. She made a lot of choices that I did not agree with. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Um, so the metaphysical Ainsley um, forgot her line in a really crucial scene, yeah. a, re- a really crucial part of the scene. Yeah. Um, stood there for what felt like a few minutes no it felt like an eternity and i was just watching her flounder and was probably an eternity in real life as well yeah like it wasn't like one of those moments like that i've had i know that i forget a line and it comes to me like three seconds later and that feels long for me but nobody in the audience knows it knows really right and you can you can act that off yeah but in in this moment like literally all all acting dropped. Yes, like, because we it had probably, it probably was at least fifteen seconds of dead air. We had to stop to wait for that that cue. Yeah. We had, I mean, there was there was an action that was a result of that, you know, the the continuation that of that line. Yeah, um, she stopped for good 15, 20 seconds. Um, Did the director hopped in eventually? Didn't she? I hopped in. Okay. I said That's line. Right. That's right. I called for line. Yeah. And I remember This is in the middle of, of a performance that people had paid for. Yes. You know? Uh and I And Noah was the only person that was like, line? Like Yeah, and, and I remember saying you. that so so angrily because, you know, this is something I mean, it was important to me. Not and I don't want to sound, you know, I don't want to sound pretentious and say like, oh, it's important for me that you do your job. Well and, and yeah, act exactly. or whatever. But like it was important for me because this, you know, this 24 hour theater festival was the outlet that I had to do the acting that I've always wanted to do. And not only that, but to perform in something that Bailey had written that was, I thought, you know, genius. And I wanted people, I wanted other people to, you know, understand the genius of what we were trying to portray. Um, And as good of a job as I think I did, I mean, again, I I haven't even gone back to watch that performance. I know I have it saved on my phone. Oh my god! And I want I, I want to go back and watch it because I feel like I did such a good job. I feel like I did so much better than the two previous years. Yeah. But I literally can't bring myself to do it because it's just like it's a like a haunting yeah you know feeling yeah those feelings stick with you and I think like 
I I couldn't have like had a, a good final project pro- product like at the end of the semester without that feeling. Yeah, because I I knew what not to do. At least from my and end is a my end is a writer. I was like, well, now I know not to give. Like I I gave pretty pretty significant lines. I mean, like more than about a paragraph. Like at different points, like yeah. many monologues for these performers to do because one, I trusted them and I wanted to show them that they tr- that I trusted them. Um, but two, because like these words were important to me and I wanted to share them with people. And granted, everybody else did really well with it. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. I think I, I think minus that one actress who like killed the momentum of the scene um, in that moment. Uh, I thought everybody did great. And I was happy with um, how everything went about that now, night. Um, would you say, though, would you say that that... Um, I mean, let's let's be blunt. Would you say that that person's failure um, equates to your failure? I think I felt like it. Like it certainly. I don't know if it it does, but it taught me like. Even when we talked about it in class afterwards, yeah. You know, my professor was like, "Well, you need to fix these parts because you could have helped them out and you didn't." Like and the whole point of twenty four hours uh, is that it happens that's... in twenty four hours. So. I wrote the play all night. I stayed up all night and wrote the play. And the actors got it at, at like 6 a.m. the next morning. They rehearsed it all day and performed it that evening. So, like, I could have been more gracious in the lines that I get, I gave people because it's it's difficult to memorize a piece of theater in any length over the course of a day. It's really, really hard. And I could have I could have helped them out. And I didn't. And, and that was on me. Um and so I had to live with that and be like, well, I, I, I could have helped this along too. It's not just her fault. Yeah. Like I, I could have, I could have made, made better. Um, cause the, the idea in itself was probably could have been successful and people liked the writing or the base concept, but it just didn't have legs now, that night. You know, I mean, let's, let's I talk forgot about that you had that performance. Now I, I want to watch it. I kind of do want to watch it after this. Um, now that there is, a huge elephant in this tiny closet. Yeah. The question is, this elephant, what is going to come of that now? I know it's been tucked away in a drawer for a long time. Yeah. You know, it's like filed what, it's like filed away up there watching somewhere. Watching it now or just like No. What where does it go now saying like, well, this was, you know, this was a failure. What do I what do I do to feel like I'm going to succeed in this in this specific endeavor. Yeah. So I think like as a writer, it gave me more confidence, like to want to edit that piece and see it as like, see it as, at a good place. Um, like at the end of the semester, I, I'm confident with where it is right now. There's still at, I actually put it on Reddit recently. I didn't you tell did. you this. Yeah. I put it okay. on, I put it on Reddit recently, like on like an R slash playwriting um, page. And basically like people have been giving me pointers and stuff. And I'm thinking about going back and like revising it again. Um, Cause I haven't touched it over a year i know um and so it was weird to be like oh people people like this and they want to see more from it so like one i'm going to edit that piece more two like i'm watching a piece of theater that i created like be staged pretty soon because i won i won that i won that contest i won a playwriting contest um through anderson anderson uh i think the alley theater in anderson um dude's not even freaking failing over here yeah well it's the alley theater and anderson i want to contest so my a play that i wrote is being staged there in march um which one observations which is like a cute little scene um but like i don't know this that couldn't have happened um if i hadn't failed that night if i hadn't like been like okay here's what i need to change um so failure taught me in that moment to like one be more confident and two, make it more actor friendly. Yeah. So like a lot of the dialogue I write these days is way more conversational instead of just like, because at that point, it was super romantic. It was very like, and not romantic in the sense of like, I love you. I love you so much. It's like the language was super flowery. Um, they were in, in paragraphs, as I said, um, instead of like short, concise phrases that actors can memorize well. Um, and so I learned to be more actor friendly. And I also learned, um, you know, basically that I can't fit all of myself into one thing. And if I try, I'm going to get exhausted. I'm going to get hurt because like I was writing about my breakup. I was writing about my anxiety. I was writing about this, that, and the other thing. So it was like, I had to put all of my thoughts and feelings into this one piece, or I felt like I did. And I could never succeed. I mm-hmm. could never succeed. 
And so like, I don't want to fragment myself, but I feel like I kind of have to, when it comes to that kind of stuff, because like, if you get too close, you get too hurt. And that's, that's hard because if you have the idea of success on the horizon, yeah, I mean, you're going to, you're going to push for it, right. you know? Um, so, you know, maybe in that sense, there's, there's a, a fine line. There's a balancing act um, between, you know, throwing yourself into something, throwing yourself entirely into something that, you know, will probably work out against the way that you want it to. Right. Um, versus, you know, like taking those risks, but leaving room for leaving room exactly. for acceptance. Yeah. You know, and there's more left to give yeah. at that point, because yeah. if you've given all of yourself to something that might not succeed, there's so much room for hurt. And if you just like, you know, give a little parts or, 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 you know, I don't know. It feels kind of narcissistic at, at this point to be like, I really put all of myself into that. And like, I wanted to see my work. Like, I don't know. I, and so I've become less of like a playwright that wants to see me on stage. And I, I want to see like my ideas yeah. or, or, or like, I, I want to see these actors, like bring my ideas to life, if that makes sense. So I, I feel like I've grown in, in that sense, but I think as a person, um, it's just taught me like sometimes when you open up yourself too much, um, you leave room for a lot of pain. Um, and so just like checking yourself and fragmenting like different parts to give, like not giving everything all at once because you can really overwhelm people. Um, I've thought, that, I've thought about that a lot in terms of just like, I mean, sometimes I'll write something, you know, a song, I'll write something that's, you know, really heavy handed. And, you know, once it's out there, it's like, well, now I'm not really sure if I have anything left to write. Yeah. And that's like a really, really sucky feeling. Right. Because I would hate, I, I think that it's, I know that I do have things left to write. It's more the feeling that what if like, what if the next thing I do is weightless? What yeah. if it, you know, what if it is so hollow? Right. Because I did so much before. Sure. Because you're just like, you're like, you're, like you're an emptied out, like tree log at that point. Like, right. There's nothing like left to, to be taken from. And so just being careful of how much you open yourself up to in your art and also like in your, in your everyday interactions. Yeah. So I think, as we wrap up this conversation, you know, what can we learn from failure? Um, I think it's different from person to person. And I think you have to be able to process failure um, and see where you can grow from. And um, in the next instance of that, if you step up to the plate again, like how can you succeed or how do you prime yourself for success? Um, both in your interpersonal interactions and also your artistic endeavors. Yeah. So like, um, Failure is a, is a stepping stone. It's not the end of a journey. It's the beginning of one. Um, please just don't don't for, forget that if you get discouraged. Right. I think um, everybody everybody yeah. hears from somewhere that you know failure is failure is a teacher. Yeah. Right. Yoda says it in the Last Jedi. Yeah. It's one of the greatest scenes. It's a great scene. Um, yeah. But something that he says is interesting, and I've thought a lot about it, is you know the beginning of that. I guess the 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 beginning of that. You know line that he has is uh pass on what you have learned yeah use your failure to teach somebody else don't just say man what do I, what do i learn from this so that i can do better sure and then watch other people fail and sure. say now what did now what do you learn right. like what do you learn from that you can like, spur them on and help them and encourage say, them before you fail i i failed in a similar way yeah let me let me tell you what i learned i think it's more meaningful to, to offer advice like that because it's like a very like vulnerable and connective thing to be like, I've been there too. And I, I, I failed in that area. So can I, can I give you some piece of, a piece of advice to be like, so you don't fail like I did the first time. I think it's way better than, than saying, Oh, you're about to do this. I, I did really well when I did that. Let me tell you how I did it. Let exactly. me tell you what you it, should it's do. It's so much more meaningful. Um, and if you don't try to disguise your failure, like when you're being honest with someone, like, because I think, I think that vulnerability humanizes us and humbles us in a way um you know that will connect us more I, i'm saying that we were, we were going to be more concise but this episode is just as long as all the other ones uh which is totally fine with me um but that's pretty much our conversation on on failure i have one last thing well, dude's got one last thing i want to ask you the same question i'm about to answer myself what's up actually well no i'm about to answer it myself and then i'll ask you if there's anything that you have okay 
if I could redo everything. Oh yeah, yeah. we talked about. This. And I'm only I'm only 21 years old, yeah. so I've not lived a lot of life. Dude's young. But if I could relive and redo things, you know what I'd want to do? What? I want to be a massage therapist. <laughs> it's always been so interesting to me. I should have done it. Should have kept going to, you know. I should have gone to school for anatomy and, you know, right. physiology and that kind of stuff. I would have loved it. Maybe in a, maybe in a parallel universe. That's my one thing. That's like, if I could have gone back. Yeah. My dad says that all the time, you know, as he's like, if I, if I could redo things, I wish I was a Marine biologist. Hey, can I tell you something? Yeah. What you were going to ask me, I was going to say, I wish I would have stayed in Florida. I wish I could have been a marine biologist. He's going to take your dad's thing. Hey, if you don't have one, you don't have to, <laughs> Just you don't have to say. That's fine. Um, no, I, I think there's something that I would change. I would take dance classes as a kid. Yeah. Um, because you know, I think we talked about this in the, the manliness episode. I, I never felt like I was able to. Because all my other, all my friends were, were doing, uh, you know, sports. And so I felt like I had to do that too. But I always wanted to do tap and I always wanted to do ballet. And I, I, I regret that now because like as a theater artist, that could have been so much more help. Like it would be really helpful. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I wish I would have danced. Lord of the dance. <laughs> I wish I would have danced. Hey man, you can dance whenever you want to dance. You can dance if you want to. It's you true. Behind. Um, hate that song. It's a bad song. Um, anyway. What are we reading? What are we watching? What are we listening to? I think to kick off the segment, I saw Unhinged recently. Finally. Um, Finally. So Noah loves this movie. I thought it was fine. It's so much fun, though. It, it, I, You know, and we talked about this. Context is everything when you watch something. So Noah watched Unhinged in a theater for the first time. Yep. Uh, right after he saw Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I'm Thinking of Ending Things in Tenet. So three pretty, like, heady you know more convoluted movies or more complex movies yeah. i guess and just to watch something straightforward means a lot right yes it was great it was yeah. a great theater experience i think we talked about it when i mentioned it on the podcast yeah um that it was just uh, you know that experience that experience was a blast and it did influence my view of the movie yeah however uh, after that first theater viewing, I've seen it two other times. Right, it's still just as fun. So uh, I, I think I thought it was fun. I, I just it was just just not my kind of thing. And it's I, fine. Also, like the last movie I had watched before watching Unhinged was Black Swan, and <laughs> like it was the first time I ever saw Black Swan, which is excellent, by the way. Um, and I was just like, I want something. Good. I don't know. I, don't, I'm not expecting Unhinged to be Black Swan or anything like that. I just you better like, not be. Yeah, man. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting. I just also Russell like, Crowe is four times the size of Natalie Portman in that <laughs> movie. Russell Crowe is four times the size of himself, like 20 years ago. It's true. I think Russell Crowe in Gladiator was eaten by Russell Crowe in Unhinged. Unhinged probably. Um. Anyway, what else did we watch? Um. So again, I watched Black Swan. Um. Uh, my girlfriend and I watched Sing Street recently. Oh uh, man! The first time that she saw it, so that was really cool to watch it with her. It's like my favorite movie ever. So I mean, <laughs> what else Wait, can I say about it? What can you? Um, I think the idea of happy sad is like one of my favorite concepts in anything that I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, Inside Out does it too, where it's like you can't have joy without sadness. I just love that idea because like we so often want to just focus on like being happy all the time and like having a, a happy face, but you can't experience joy completely unless you're sad. Like you, you do, you don't know. Um, so we watched sing street recently. What else? Um, did you talk about over, over the garden wall last time? I did last time. Yeah. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, did you listen to anything? I've been, anything? well, so I watched Tome of the Unknown. Oh, yeah, yeah. The little short. Which is the short film that um, was the inspiration for Over the Garden Wall, right. or the, the kind of the first draft, the I guess. The proto Over the Garden yes. Wall. Um, it's phenomenal. It's great. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend it. Over the Garden Wall is a masterpiece. Um, what else? Um, oh, I listened to the new coin EP, the right? new coin EP that came out today, actually, as of recording this. Oh, yeah. Um, as of the release of this podcast will have come out yesterday yeah um and then the big guy um we watched rocky horror picture show yeah um for the first time for the first time for both of us Oof. i i liked it more than noah did because as a as a theater person you know like i like musicals and yeah. that kind of thing it's crazy it's kitschy it's weird um i i understand why it has the staying power that it does absolutely uh, I, I there's just no think denying I, i've that. been so exposed to it because of like 
I watched Glee when I was younger. Um, and then also, like, I've just heard the songs, like, in yeah. different settings. Yeah. I love the perks of being a wallflower. And so, like, that's it's in that, too. So it's just pervasive. And so I've just been so exposed to it. Yeah. So I wasn't shocked by anything that was a part of it. But I was just like, I just, this is I, still crazy. I just wish that I, like, knew somebody that knew everything about it and could tell me, like, yeah. what I had watched. Because the message is, like, I think there's a message. And I think that at the end, it, like... Not not exactly falls apart, but it takes this weird turn. That's it like does. It does fall apart. Um, because they're when the, kind when... of here's what here's what I perceived having you know watched that movie uh, while carving a pumpkin while eating dinner. Yeah. Um, my perception was they're saying that transgender people or transsexual people are aliens that come from an alien world. Yeah, Transylvania or whatever. And I don't like it yeah it's it doesn't hold up today really well at all um but i'd love to watch it like in a setting uh you know like a like a, like a <laughs> you just broke your pop socket no it comes uh, off like that i swear <laughs> um i'd love to watch it like in a, like in a midnight showing where people like interact with it and they yeah. talk, they talk back like and... cats oh my gosh no never again um there's like a like a flashback to watching cats it's like a well, that wraps up this anyway. episode. Oh, shout out, shout out, shout out, shout out, shout out. Shout out. Uh, our friend Brady Bolden has a song um, coming out today. Uh, uh, as of like the, the, this podcast is dropping, it's called Goth GF. Um, it's a super, super fun tune. Also, so great. there's a TikTok dance associated with it. So um, uh, be, be TikToking, you TikTokers. And go find it. And go find it. So shout out uh, to our wonderful friend Brady Bolden. Yeah. For uh, writing and composing Are our you doing theme it? song. You know how to do it? <laughs> Um, maybe I've heard you would do it like plenty um, of times. Yeah, shout out to Brady Bolden for writing, composing our wonderful theme. Again, I'm your host, Bailey Hunt, and you can find me at Bailey J Hunt on Instagram and Bailey James1215 on Twitter. Actually, I think those are switched. Yeah, those are switched. Dude doesn't even know anything about this show. But I do because I'm Noah DeGeorge. You can find me at Noah underscore DeGorgeous both on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow our podcast Instagram at Strictly Conversational Podcast. Yes, and next week I think we're going to be talking to... Uh, I don't know if we've talked to him yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I, we'll talk to him. I, I think we're going to be talking to our good friend Garrett McDowell about um, watching horror movies as a practice of empathy mm-hmm. um, and being an empathetic person. I'm like insanely empathetic, and so watching horror movies is, is very difficult for me. And I'm insanely excited to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, so that'll be a, a very fun episode, but... As always, until then, be good to one another. Don't take yourselves too seriously, and don't forget to wear a mask. Um, We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll see you next week. And when you're here, your your family. family!